Hey everybody, welcome to the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. Really good episode uh, this time around for you. I've got uh, my buddy uh, Paul Hicks to uh, join me here in the crypt for a couple of issues of Swamp Thing uh, from uh, the Bronze Age. And this is uh, the Volume 1 uh, run, and we'll explain uh, why we are talking about the two issues that we talk about, and hopefully a few more down the road in the future as well. So stay tuned, and Paul and I will be right back after a quick break. Ween is most famous for co-creating Marvel's Claude Mutant Wolverine, along with other X-Men characters like Nightcrawler, Storm, and Colossus. He created so many X-Men characters because he helped revive the entire X-Men series in the late 70s, turning it into the popular comic line that eventually became the huge transmedia franchise that it is today. Len Wein also had a notable career at DC Comics. He co-created DC's Swamp Thing and Suicide Squad leader Amanda Waller and served as editor on Watchmen, one of the most influential graphic novels ever published. Len Wein was inducted into the Eisner Comic Book Hall of Fame in 2008, honoring the impact he's had on comics and storytelling in general. Along with Wolverine, many of his creations have been adapted into films and television shows, and he even worked on some of those adaptations himself. We caught up with him at the massive San Diego Comic-Con back in 2010, where we asked him about adapting his books and characters into other mediums. You need to work for the medium you're working in. I always say that because I've adapted much of my own stuff over the years to television and other mediums from comics. And I change what has to be changed to be part and proper for the medium. The very first script I wrote out of comics was an episode of Batman, the animated series, where they asked me to adapt one of my own stories. And they were very leery. They didn't want to pay me the full page rate. We only have this one episode available just in case. And I did the script and I made a lot of changes. And they said, you change all the stuff? I said, yeah, that stuff worked great in comics. This works better for animation. And they said, you want to do more? And I wrote a half dozen episodes of the show. You know, you have to be willing to adjust to the medium. Because Len Wein was in comics for so long, he got to see how the industry evolved and changed over the years as it became more and more mainstream. The best example of this was the rising popularity and size of Comic-Con itself. When it started, there was maybe a thousand people. It was at the El Cortez Hotel. And it was what they used to call in science fiction terms, a relaxicon. You hung out. The, the industry was not here, television and film and, and all of the game companies, well, many of them didn't exist back then, but it was just a thousand friends getting together and hanging out for a weekend. We'd sit by the pool, we'd talk, i see artists and writers I hadn't seen all year and we'd just share things. Now it's business. Now I go to other conventions to relax. I come here to promote whatever new product I have that year to, to see old friends still, but usually I only see them going, hi, bye, and they're gone. <laughs> I mean, there are people I never see at all during the weekend because, you know, it's 150,000 of my closest friends here. Len didn't think that the rising popularity and saturation of Comic-Con and the comic industry was bad, though. He looked at all the adaptations and reinterpretations of his books as a good thing. I think anything that supports the comic medium is a wonderful thing because we become somewhat insular. They're really, the only places to buy comics these days mostly are comic book shops. You can't go down to the corner like you did when I was a kid and just pick up the new comic book. So I love the fact that other things promote them. And I love the fact that, that I've done enough things to get promoted. I mean, I, I wear my resume, you know, Swamp Thing and the X-Men and these are all my characters and they've all been movies and television series and video games and I'm a very lucky man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bronze Age of Horror. Uh, in this installment, I'm going to be starting a new series here with uh, uh, 
I shouldn't say a new guest. It's it's a returning guest to, you know, uh, under the Magazines and Monsters umbrella here. Uh, this is a gentleman who uh, helped me cover a, an issue of My Greatest Adventure, and it is uh, Paul Hicks from Waiting for Doom. How are you, Paul? I'm very well, thank you. How are you going, Billy? Now we're here to talk uh, something. You're starting a new one. Yes. So, and for anybody that looks at the show notes or, you know, says, why are these weirdos uh, <laughs> starting off with issue number 11? of Swamp Thing, you know, the original Volume 1 run from 1974. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1974, this issue. But uh, the reason we're doing this is because uh, issues 1 through 10, the Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson run, was already covered in spectacular fashion by uh, a uh, buddy of ours, uh, Ryan Daly, on his uh, now defunct uh, Midnight the Podcasting Hour show. And he had really good coverage over there, really good guests. And I'm not just saying that because I was one of them. Well, maybe I am, but uh, you, you can just ch check that out over there. He had excellent coverage over there. So you want to hear about 1 through 10, go check that out. But uh, Paul and I here are going to start off with issue number 11, right? We sure are, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably because the earlier issues get so much focus. And um, I was sitting there thinking, I've never read the ones after that. I mean, I've, uh, I've had access to them, but I've never got around to reading them. Yeah, they are in the DC app, you know, for anybody out there that wants to uh, check them out on the app. I was uh, lucky enough to able to get a, uh, a really good deal on a few DC Omnibus editions last fall and uh, around Christmas time. So one of them I grabbed was the uh, Swamp Thing Bronze Age Omnibus, which basically covers everything from House of Secrets 92 all the way up to the Alan Moore run. So I've got this ginormous tome here to check out. And then every once in a while, I'll just uh, get my iPad out, look at the app too, if I want to. You know, uh, just check an issue out real quick because, you know, omnibus editions are great. I love them. They're very well made and they have a ton of content, but they're a little uh, unwieldy when you're, you know, just kind of laying around on the couch or something to try to <laughs> re 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 read through an issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A bit hard to read on the toilet, too. Yeah, ooh, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least it won't fit in the toilet if I would drop it, though. I think it wouldn't make it. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> yeah. I was lucky enough to get a few of them. The House of Mystery and House of Secrets, uh, Brave and the Bold, two and three volume, and then this Swamp Thing one, I think. And oh, and I got Dead Man too. That was the other one I got, Dead Man. So, uh -huh. yeah, some got some really good deals. And I think if I read correctly, uh, I think Amazon might be soliciting already one for a Phantom Stranger omnibus uh, in November, maybe. So I'm going to keep my eye on that. That's been solicited so many times and then dropped off. It's uh, it's you know mm. it's the Phantom book that's always in the it's an oasis. You always as soon as you get close to it, it disappears. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I hope they get enough pre-orders that they roll with it because I think uh, you know one of the last times they did pre-orders for something, I can't remember which book it was, but it, it, they wanted you know they're usually when you you're gonna get in on something on the ground floor sometimes they'll give you a little bit of a discount but they wanted oh i'm sorry it was uh yeah i do remember it was the house of mystery i guess they solicited a volume three and you know they solicited that like 150 bucks and i'm like yeah nah if you're not gonna offer some kind of a discount <laughs> no <laughs> so i was like yeah nah i think i'll just wait because some of them if they do get enough pre-orders Sometimes they get a little sneaky and lower the price, you know, uh, if it comes out and they don't get a ton of uh, uh, buys right out of the gate. So I'm just going to kind of creep around and wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you were lucky to get them because the others that you got, because I think they're probably all out of print now. 
I think so. You know, some of them I think were still hanging on with Amazon, like only a couple of copies left. And then I think I got some of them on eBay too. Sometimes there are these uh, unscrupulous uh, eBay sellers that <laughs> buy loads of copies of something when it's uh, on a discount and then, and then sell it mm. cheaply. And that was how I was able to get some of them. A couple of them I think were actually used, but very, very well, you know, the condition on them. So I don't care about anything like that. If I can get an omnibus edition for 50 bucks, that's, you know, 100, 125, $150 cover price, and it's slightly used, that's fine by me. Yeah. Yeah, anything mm. to get anything to get some uh, DC here. So, yeah, we're starting off with, uh, like you said, Swamp Thing number 11, because, you know, like you said, it was covered 1 through 10 on Ryan's show, and then not only that, people seem to really just uh, feel like Swamp Thing dropped off a cliff after Bernie Wrightson left, and, you know, obviously Bernie Wrightson was a, an absolute master, and his work is incredible, and you know, we're not going to poo-poo that at all, but there was some uh, interesting stuff that happened afterwards. And, you know, Len Wein was still on here for a couple issues, and then uh, we got a new artist in here, too, uh, on the next couple issues. So uh, he's not bad himself, right? Mm, yeah, Nesta Redondo. And I think he, if you hadn't had the first 10 issues, this would have been sensational stuff. It would have been huge just as much. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's uh, – unfortunately, he's got uh, – a hell of an act to follow. So, <laughs> mm, yeah, I wouldn't want to follow Bernie Wrightson in any kind of uh, art uh, duties either. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, but I mean, Len Wayne continues telling his story, and he uh, does it in the. It's um, melodramatic and florid and <laughs> all those sorts of things, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it's, but, it's very Bronze Age. <laughs> but I've got a synopsis here from the uh, DC database, which I'll just—it's very brief but uh, we'll get into it, the whole story, properly. Anyway, uh, Swamp Thing must rescue Abby and Matt Cable from Zachary Nail, an old foe of Dr. Thirteen's, and from mutant worms under his command, or so he thinks. <laughs> he also discovers four human captives, Jefferson Bolt, Ruth, Luke, and a brain-damaged former sheriff named Kane. Uh, Ruth is killed, infuriating her lover Bolt. She is shot by Zachary Nail. The worms turn against Nail, so he destroys his underwater compound along with himself and the worms. The humans escape, but Swamp Thing is suddenly transported to the distant past. And that's how it ends. So. Yeah, really crazy ending there. And this was, uh, I'm sorry, I totally forgot. Uh, Swamp Thing 11, like we said, July, August, cover date, 1974. It's... Um, Len Wein uh, script, Nessa Redondo, uh, pencils and inks, colors, Tatiana Wood, and letters, Marcos Paleos. And then uh, we have a cover, which I totally brain farted and thought, man, this doesn't look like Nessa Redondo. Well, that's because it's not. It's uh, Luis Dominguez. So what do you think of this cover? <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. Uh, the only thing is um, there's like tentacles coming out of the water and they don't convey uh, much worm imagery it looks more like tentacles so it looks like you know another Cthulhu beast or something popping up to get him um mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah like a octopus or a squid or something more than like worms <laughs> yeah. but but yeah wow when you turn that first page though that is an incredible splash page I just it it's, it's mind-blowing it reminds me of Wrightson so I don't know if Redondo was trying to channel him or he was just like hey watch what I can do but that's an incredible splash page well, he's probably trying to, you know, he's probably bringing his A game just because, you know, this is the A game book of the DC universe at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have like a swamp thing's kind of standing, well, in a swamp. And we see there's like a, a, I'm not sure in the original issues, you know, if there's a coloring difference, but there's like this purple, grayish kind of uh, 
a tree that looks like it's fallen over. And then it says swamp thing in uh, yellow, which kind of thinks, you know, sometimes you don't think, you know, horror when you think yellow, but it actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like um, fuzzy moss on the tree. It's all, it's a, you know, that Eisner thing of um, putting the text into the picture. Mm-hmm. And when uh, and the like H I N G and Swamp Thing is kind of like you know, dri- dripping and drooping down there and touching the water. It looks really cool. Very good touch by uh, Redondo here. So yeah, he's he's no slouch himself here. But yeah, right away, uh, Swamp Thing kind of, uh, you know, he kind of uh, goes back through what's happened uh, to him uh, recently, and then uh, he even talks about uh, how he's never going to be able to. Uh, regain his humanity and it says shown in detail in Swamp Thing number nine too and you know that's something that Swamp Thing always kind of goes through uh, from now till you know from then until even now currently how it's you know he's 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 not gonna have his humanity he's he is he is he isn't and then you know Alan Moore came along and was like no 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 it's something totally different so (laughs) there's always it seems that every time he uh, stops fighting something he gets this you know in ennui and wants to stand around feeling miserable and yeah. And monologuing. Yeah. And I like how he's yeah. standing here, here so long monologuing to himself. He starts to root, get rooted into the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's wild. Yeah. But uh, it's, he's very, um, if you're used to later Swamp Thing or even earlier Swamp Thing, he's very smooth. <laughs> like he, he looks a little bit like a plasticine man rather than a plant man at times. Yeah, he kind of looks like an action figure a little bit here in some of these uh, poses he has. But he gets all pissed off here. Like, you know, he's he screams out, why, God, did you do this to me? And he's like really pissed about, you know, how he just can't, you know, get back to being Alec Holland. And um, he, he's, you know, kind of going to town here, smashing trees and crap like that and going wild. And then, you know, we switch scenes to uh, Matt and Abby here who uh, are still out in the swamp, you know, from the uh, previous issue, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it's it's very much like um, Matt just keeps finding excuses to be alone with Abby. It's like, you know, oh, we better find Swamp Thing. Come with me. And <laughs> <laughs> and Redondo does great. You know, they both of those characters look really good as well. You know, not only does Swamp Thing look pretty good, he he does a great job with Matt and Abby too. Yeah, yeah. I I was really surprised how you know beautifully rendered it is, and you know, Matt looks. He looks like a you know really masculine cowboy man, and you know, and Abby's mm-hmm. rocking rocking the high boots as well. So yeah, there mm-hmm. there's different. You can tell that Nesta Redondo has drawn some western stuff before this. Yeah, Matt, like you said, he does. He looks like he should be in a an old west town here with a six shooter and you know having a a gunfight with somebody in one of DC's western books, Jonah Hex maybe. <laughs> mm. And then they run into this. <laughs> So this is this issue is kind of crazy. Like it's kind of wild. It's you know uh, Swamp Thing. We get him. You know the monologuing. He's you know pissed and he's smashing things and kind of uh, you know not happy with what he uh, is now. And then Matt and Abby. You know they're oh let's find Swamp Thing. This is going to be great. And they're alone and they're creeping around the, the swamp here. And all of a sudden this insane humanoid type alligator creature comes after them. And <laughs> that's kind of a wild part of the story. I just think to myself like. I don't, that's the only part that I kind of thought to myself, like, eh, did we really need that here? I don't know. I mean, it looks really super cool, but I'm not sure mm. it was really necessary. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, if it was wearing a lab coat, we'd say it was the lizard. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Kirk Connors. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But yeah, I love how uh, Matt, you know, he tries to shoot it and the bullets, I don't know if they just ricochet off or whatever. They, they just don't hurt the, the beast as he calls it in any way, shape or form. 
So then he decides, well, instead of reloading and trying more bullets, I'll just <laughs> throw my gun at it. Like, uh, dude, <laughs> if bullets didn't stop it, throwing the gun. <laughs> yeah. But there's a real sense of, you know, things just happen in Swamp Thing at this era. Like, it's like, there's not a much sense of logic or build-up or anything. It's like, you know, well, they're walking around, so we better have an action scene. They're going to get attacked by an alligator person. Um, yeah, but, I mean, and it also gives, you know, the Swamp Thing a reason to interact with them again because he has to go and fight it and rescue them, so. Yeah, I like how at first he seems like he's going to, you know, take this uh, creature down no problem, but then it tail whips him and jumps on him and they go in the water and you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, you know, some bubbling uh, in the water and just Swamp Thing comes back out. So I'm assuming he killed that uh, alligator creature guy. We don't know what the heck was even going on there. A Vulcan nerve pinched it, I reckon. <laughs> Maybe it's just sleeping <laughs> at the bottom <laughs> of the swamp. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, this creature alone would be caused to, you know, go and get some you know, doctors and, you know, scientists and say, look what we found. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, we'll just keep going through the swamp. Yeah, they're just like, oh, well, you know, because Matt has connections, you know, he works with the government and stuff like that. You think, he'd, you know, radio somebody be like, there's something going on here. Nah, he's just like, oh, there's swamp thing. Look, you know, everything's cool now. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. And then, wow. So you flip to page seven. And again, uh, this huge splash page. And again, Redondo, wow. I just, this blew me away when I turned this page and saw this. We have these two enormous worm-like creatures. And one of them has Abby, and she's already unconscious. And Matt's kind of like rearing back like he's going to try to punch one of them, which is kind of hilarious. But what do you think of that one? Well, he doesn't have a gun to throw it at anyone. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, the worms are really weird looking, but um, mm -hmm. just if you look at the, I mean, I just did, uh, I'm apparently the giant worm guy for some reason on podcasts, but uh, mm. I just talked about um, Justice League Europe and they were fighting giant worms. And, oh, boy. Um, yeah, uh, they didn't do such a good job of looking like worms as these do uh, from the bottom half. So, the you know, the way the, the worm is draped across the tree, it just looks like a worm. It, you know, has that segmentation and everything, but it, it looks um, gooey inside and it's got a real sense of weight. Uh, but their heads are, are, you know, they look like Papa Smurf on crack or something. Their, their heads, they've kind of got... Beards and <laughs> elephant trunks, and also, there's a lot going on with their heads. <laughs> yeah, they look very bizarre, and like you said, the, the, especially the head, face, and like they, like I said, they have a snout like an elephant, and then they have these like tusks or something underneath there too. It's yeah. very bizarre. I don't know what Redondo was smoking when he drew these, but it was some pretty good stuff. Well, I mean, he really committed to it, and you know, their their heads are a bit veiny, but but he does avoid the, um, you know the trap that most people turn into when, uh, face when they do giant worms is um, making them look phallic. These don't look phallic once you get to their heads. No, <laughs> no, they most certainly don't. They look. And the phallic really zone weird. of a worm is always the, the head, the the end, the tip. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. But I do like to when like your eye goes right to, you know, Abby and these worms and Matt, but then, you know, back in the distance there, you see Swamp Thing, and he looks really cool. He's, like, coming through the water to come help them and thinking to himself, giant mutations of some sort. <laughs> yeah, no, he looks like he's wading through the, you know, in the mud in the middle of a mud fight as, you know, to have another have another attack on someone. So Here he's yeah. doing some kind of dance move or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really looks like someone walking through the surf, which, you know, with determination. So, uh, 
Yeah. It's such a great splash page, though. I mean, oh. yeah. But once again, this stuff would be sensational if people hadn't had the Bernie rights and stuff. Yep. Yep. I think you're right on there. I, I don't think people would have, you know, kind of thought, oh, well, this is just okay. I think people would have been like, this stuff's crazy. It's trippy. It's awesome. But again, it was following, you know, Whedon rights and stuff there. Yeah. 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 Great. And, and I love uh, Abby, oh. Abby looking a bit sexy too. Oh yeah, yeah. She looks very sexy there, and she's—I don't know why she's unconscious. I don't know if it, it's uh, as, asphyxiating her there, or stopping her from breathing, or what. You think she might be dead, but she's just—you know—prone, like in the worm's mouth. And she, it, could, it, she could have fainted. <laughs> oh, I'm—I'm sh- I'm sure that was it. Yeah, she either tripped and fell or fainted, because <laughs> you know that's 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 what uh, female characters did in the Bronze Age. But uh, I love how on the next page. <laughs> I love how this worm, I mean, it's menacing. It's got this mouth. You think it could tail whip or, you know, grab Matt and choke him or whatever. No, it makes a fist with its trunk and punches him. (laughs) (laughs) What? I looked at that and thought, what is going on here? And its trunk's really short. Like, it's not not even the length of a man's arm. No, yeah, it's not even, you know, because it does look like an elephant's trunk, but it's nowhere near as long as an elephant's trunk. Hmm, yeah. And here we are yeah. talking about phallic elephant trunk lengths and everything else here. This is getting... <laughs> <laughs> we're going down a road here. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of crazy. So after he, after the worm punches out Matt, it's kind of like leering over him. And <laughs> I love Swamp Thing's inner monologue here: "Filthy night crawlers, if you've hurt Cable or that girl." And it picks up the one that just knocked out Cable, and is getting ready to like chuck him over somewhere in the swamp. And the other one kind of uses this, like, brain blast on him. This kind of surprised me. Mm, I mean, maybe that's how they knocked out Abby. Yeah, it's really weird. It almost looks like a like a pink, like, swirling effect. And the, the other worm that has Abby uh, hits a swamp thing with it. And he says, oh, my brain feels like it's a fire going black. Can't stay conscious. And then there he is mm. laying and the worms make off with uh, Abby and Matt. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I mean, the brain blast itself looks like a a special effect of the day. It's got that kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can imagine the Star Trek sound effect that goes with it. (laughs) (laughs) It does. Yeah, it's it's almost like a phaser blast. (laughs) (laughs) Something from the 60s TV shows. Yeah, (laughs) that's great. Oh, man. But I do love how it's uh, captions, these caption boxes. Whenever, you know, they want to move the story forward a minute, an hour or weeks. I, I love the different wording in them. And this one is, and sometime later. <laughs> so it's a little nebulous here. We don't know if it's, you know, five minutes or five hours or five days. But, uh, you know, Matt's trying to wake up Abby and they're like, where are we? And don't know. And let's get out of here. We don't want to stick around. And then all of a sudden they uh, meet some uh, people here that you had mentioned in your synopsis there. And uh, Luke is uh, an interesting guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he's got a little bit of a, a hobo look, hasn't he? Except he's you know really into the green with the contrasting lime. And he looks like his pants are about to fall down too because they're not buttoned and he doesn't have a belt on either. So he better, like, mm. if he gets into any action, those drawers are coming down. <laughs> he can <No>. see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, next to him is Kane, the sheriff, who um, looks a little bit like a, a cheap, version of frankenstein he looks very monster like doesn't he yeah like a big brute you'd see you know like a, a circus strongman or something like that definitely that's what he looks like for sure and i'm wondering if he's 
it, we're, they're going to make a connection in this story here with a phantom stranger. Um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say phantom stranger, uh, a Dr. 13 story from phantom stranger 14 uh, from 1971. And I actually covered that comic with uh Herm on, I think it was on his show, Long Box of Darkness, probably, oh boy, three or four years ago we covered it because the main story in that book is really, really good. You know, the cover is a bait and switch. It shows this swamp thing, man, more of a man thing type creature menacing these uh, two uh, lovers in the swamp. And it shows uh, Phantom Stranger in the background. And Phantom Stranger isn't even in the story with the <laughs> swamp monster, but uh, there is a really good uh, Len Wein, and I think it might be Jim Aparo story, yeah, of uh, the man with no heart, which is a really, really good story, and it's an excellent Neil Adams cover, you know, the artwork on it. But they make a connection here, and I'm thinking there was a sheriff in that crazy story that they link up to this here. So I'm thinking uh -huh. maybe, maybe that's supposed to be him. Right. I'm, I'm just guessing because that story was very generic, the Dr. 13 story. There weren't a lot of names and stuff like that. And it was just, you know, very, well, very generic. You know, it, it was uh, not the greatest. You know, Len Wein wrote it. No, no offense to uh, Len Wein. Rest in peace. But uh, it was not yeah. one of his better efforts for sure. And Tony DiZuniga was the artist. So it was, you know, decent artwork, but it was not a good story at all. But I'm thinking maybe that's what they did here when they said, oh, let's kind of attach it to this to that you know they basically come out and say that that's this this guy here that you uh mentioned zachary nail um is you know he thinks he's in charge of these worms and he you know talks about uh, how he constructed this place called new eden and in that <laughs> phantom stranger story this is actually what happened like there was this you know they thought there was this monster on the loose this you know man thing type monster was loose in the swamp and this and that well it turns out it was just a guy in a costume like it was kind of like a scooby-doo episode it was just a guy yeah. in a costume trying to keep people away, scare people away or grab people and bring them to this place so this guy could use them. And, you know, they, they do do a flashback here and kind of show you, you know, uh, some things you didn't see in that uh, comic book to kind of bridge the gap. Yeah, well, he had an incredible investment in infrastructure because he's bought, you know, built this entire saucer-like um, dome habitat in the swamp that uh, gets sunk at the end of that story but it's funny because you you read these comics and you think oh it's you know it's sort of it's a long time ago there's not a lot of inbuilt continuity and suddenly you're faced with a reference to a story that you you, <laughs> know, you may or may not have read and it, it being dr 13 i presume he just went well i'm skeptical about this whole thing and it'll <laughs> fell apart yeah it was one of those deals where it was like oh i can explain this and this because that's always what he did and then the fact that the swamp monster was just a guy in a costume. He was like, ha ha, see, I know what I'm talking about. It was like, oh man, <laughs> it's not, not great. Not great at all. But you know, I, I don't know. Len Wein wrote that story and this one. So I don't know if he, you know, had always planned on connecting these or started writing this one and thought, oh wait, I can connect this. Like, I, I wonder what his process was there. Cause it is interesting. It's three years earlier. Yeah. And no, I, I, I just presume that, you know, it's a, you're on a treadmill of trying to generate plots, so you you know you're not spending a lot of time, you know, formulating things. And he probably went, oh, it's a good place to plug this stuff in. And then Swamp Thing needs some monsters to fight. Oh, giant worms. Oh, okay, I can make you know I can connect to this, you know. And he really does pack it full of uh, you know. There's lots of events in this entire comic where you know people kidnap, people attack, uh, monsters are fought, you know. And it's just kind of relentlessly you know thorough with all that. 
Yeah, there's really no downtime in this comic. There's always something going on. Even, you know, like I said, there's this flashback scene where Nail says about, you know, the uh, Legion of Doom <laughs> city he used to have. It reminds me of that <laughs> from that television, the cartoon. Yeah. The Legion of Doom were in that Hall of Doom. Kind of reminds me of that. And he goes through all that. And, you know, then again, Matt and Abby are like, you know, they're not having it. He's like, you're out of your mind, you know, because the guy thinks he's going to, what does he say? That is why if I sent these worms out to gather people such as you so that some small smattering of man will survive when this pollution has destroyed his world. So the guy kind of has some some good intentions here. He's just kind of going about it in the wrong way. Yeah. And this is 50 years ago talking about pollution. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's wild. <laughs> yeah, good thing we fixed everything in that time. <laughs> yeah, good. I'm glad everything's A-OK, right? <laughs> We're living in utopia right now, apparently, right? <laughs> mm. But a swamp thing wakes up and he looks like he was like, you know, on a bender the night before with a headache. He's holding his head. Cable, the girl, the worms, all gone. And uh, he sees the snail trail here from the worms and he just follows that right back to uh, New Eden. But, you know, we get the Matt and Abby and they're, you know, trying to tell the people that they're like, listen, we have to, you know, we got to get out of here. We got to stop this maniac because this guy is, you know, abducting people. And, you know, he's got these worms that are doing their crazy abduction here like this this isn't okay so they formulate a little plan here and uh matt plays dead and he's like oh no they're dead he's dead he's dead and the worm comes in and uses telepathy and is like what is wrong and he jumps up man and, wow what a gross thing he stabs it right in the eye they've got like these giant uh watch you know um face things the tickers they're like the hands got, yeah they've got these giant hands and they're pointy on one end and got a circle on the other end and it's just like laying in it's very violent you actually feel sorry for the worm at this point yeah it's kind of gross and he's like i say he stabs right in the eye i, I almost thought they looked like you know a giant sewing needle it was it's really gross and then uh, the mm -hmm. other guys join in too and start stabbing the crap out of it and to one guy die you great big ugly die <laughs> like <laughs> wow that guy's really uh, overzealous here i can't remember which guy that name is oh bolt yes bolt, we're yeah. Gonna, yeah we're gonna see bolt here uh, even in the next issue. But yeah, they stab that worm and kill it. And at this point, we've only seen two worms. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, there's only one worm left. And then just some old guy that's like out of his mind. So, you know, we'll be able to put an end to this nonsense and switch scenes back to Swamp Thing as he's trying to get into this uh, uh, complex. And he's like, incredible, a city beneath the swamp. How did it get here? And he's uh, like creeping around. And all of a sudden he starts getting choked by one of the worm's tails and the fight's on again, but all of a sudden uh, they start talking, and it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, and they want him to come inside with them. And, yeah, but uh, yeah, they're... He's, he's willing to fight them, but he never really beats them, does he? No, no. I do think it's wild, though, because, you know, he does figure out he's like, you know, some kind of mental telepathy. You know, he figures out that's how they're communicating with him, and he's like, sure. And he says, sure, fish bait. Take me to your leader. Because if that's, there's any luck, that's where I'll find Cable and the girl. <laughs> yeah. I do love his one-sided conversations that he has with his thoughts all the time. Like, he's talking to people, but they can never hear him. So. <laughs> it's almost like he has multiple personality disorder. <laughs> yeah. It's, really, it's kind of strange sometimes. Yeah, we'll have to see how long this not being able to talk out loud thing lasts. Well, then just back to uh, Professor Nail here, and he's uh, talking to one of his worms, and it's just kind of looking forward, like it doesn't even hear him, understand him, or anything. But 
I think they actually do understand them, but oh, here comes the gang and they come the Scooby gang here. They come rushing in with their needles or watch hands or whatever. And Cable, man, he grabs the old guy and puts him in a headlock and puts the needle right to his head like he's going to kill him. And I'm thinking, dude, like I understand, you know, what the guy did was wrong, but you might be getting a little crazy here, a little over the top. Yeah, Cable is addicted addicted to the action, isn't he? Man, uh... man of action. <laughs> Yeah, no matter what it is, he's he's going to try and do it, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah, if he can't stab it, he'll throw a gun at it. <laughs> mm. But yeah, please no. What are you doing? You're killing an innocent creature, and you know the Bolt and uh, uh, not Kane, but the uh, the old man there. I can't remember his name, but they're going to town again, stabby stabby with their needles and stuff like that. But here come three more worms. So it's like probably <laughs> half a dozen of them at least at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to get a count of them. Yeah. Probably yeah. five or six at least. More of your slimy servants. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and of course, Nail tries to say to them, please, my faithful ones, for the sake of him you follow, do as this young fool says, I beseech you. And the worms are just like, fool, we do not follow you. We only use you. And he's like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. And the worms are like, yeah, we're really in charge here. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel better about the one getting killed earlier. Because, you know. Yeah, they turn. E- they show their evil selves here. <laughs> the worm turns. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> but now I love how Swamp Thing comes to He comes rushing in. No, mankind could not have come all the way for all these years only to end up as worm food. <laughs> I'm like, okay, now you've decided how the world's going to end, Swamp Thing. It can't be worm food. So can, can it be like cat food? Can they take over or what? Mm. Just not worms. Yeah. If this story had come a few years later, you probably would have seen like a half-eaten person in a larder or something as the as the big reveal of this. Uh, oh no, they're not nice. Worms. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely would have been a little more graphic for sure, especially like post, you know, Watchmen or something like that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, the, then all the humans get to stabbing with their needles again. <laughs> yeah, they go crazy and kill every one of them. Well, Swamp Thing just punches one of them so i'm assuming he knocks it unconscious but yep everybody goes to town stabbing away oh and then the old yeah. guy gets away in the background you see him uh running out of there and uh, he's gonna go it, again this guy wants this new eden and he just really gives up on this dream pretty quick here doesn't he he does yeah he pulls out a gun and um shoots ruth the the lady in the doorway <laughs> yeah he's gonna you know set some uh uh, switches and knobs and this and that and uh, I'm assuming he's going to blow the place up and uh, when Ruth comes in to try to say hey come with us he blasts her I'm thinking dude they're like giving you a second chance at life here and you just shoot yeah. somebody wow what a dick move yeah yeah and the, the bolt damn maniac you killed her killed the only woman I ever loved and he goes sorry can't talk now no time to talk it's like what kind of dialogue <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah and Bolt's going to, uh, you know, mess him up, but Swamp Thing pulls him out of there and um, somehow seems to know that everything's going to blow up. So they do. It's a it's a James Bond base evacuation. Yeah, yeah. Swamp Thing grabs Bolt and he doesn't want to let it go, so he clobbers him and knocks him out. But like you said, somehow knows him messing with those controls is going to blow the whole thing up. So he's like, all right, everybody, let's get out of here. Everybody does creep out of there and, you know, they turn back around to see it. and. Uh, for a raw boom and <laughs> really yeah, cool panel there. 
Yeah, that's an, <laughs> that's an interesting uh, sound effect there. But the page is really great, and that panel is really good too with the explosion. That looks great. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's that's the end of the underworld underwater base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and something was... of course has to leave instantly because you can't hang around with people for a moment. No, yeah, he's like, oh, there's a group of humans here, goodbye. And everybody else is kind of like wondering what the heck's going on. And, you know, uh, Bolt uh, says that he wants to even the score with Swamp Thing because he thinks Swamp Thing did him wrong by uh, pulling him away from killing the old guy. But the old guy's dead anyway. So he kind of mm. like, you know, the, the, the guy did it without you having to commit murder, dude. So we're good. Yeah. And, and then, then uh, this craziness, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, firstly, Bolt really wants to get his revenge on Swamp Thing because he's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, misguided revenge plotting there. Um, but yeah, then Swamp Thing finds this giant gemstone with a, a star on it. Yeah, and I was really, really blown away that no matter where I looked, it seems this was the only appearance of this, which is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> I, plot device just sitting there waiting, isn't it? Yeah, I thought, wow, nobody ever down the road ever used this again? I'm like, where's Grant mm. Morrison when you need him? He could dig this up and use this insane to write some crazy wild story. <laughs> Maybe Jeff Johns never read this one. <laughs> oh, yeah, you never know. Yeah, he must enough because this would have popped up somewhere. so yeah swamp things just uh he sees this and he's a jewel like the biggest jewel i've ever seen a seven-pointed star carved on its face it's almost like a a sphere but like he says it has this seven-pointed star carved on its face almost like a starro that crazy you know Mm. those crazy creatures on it yeah and the facets are really well drawn i mean it looks very very jewel like Mm -hmm. yeah so he touches it and then like you said the next thing you know He's in a, a, a far off time and there's a T-Rex or an Allosaur. I can never remember which one's which. I know one has two fingers and the other one has three, but I can't keep that straight. <laughs> <laughs> He's so, doing better than me. I'd just say a T-Rex because that's what everyone would draw back then. <laughs> yeah. I, well, before anybody ever mentioned an Allosaur, it was just everything was a T-Rex that was like a bigger dinosaur and, you know, was creeping around like that. It was just, it was always, it was always a T-Rex, even if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? Final thoughts on that issue? Yeah, no, it's fun. It's, it's, uh, you know, you, there's a little bit of switch off your brain and go with it. Um, but it, it's a fun adventure. I mean, people, yeah, there's characters in it and they do things, but it, it's not, you know, this is super real and this has lots of, you know, truth and it's not really saying anything. It's like, I mean, it's no deeper than what can be interestingly seen in a comic for, you know, 20 pages. Yeah, and I mean, I do like how, like you said, it's kind of just action-adventure, cool little story. But I like how, you know, and a lot of the Bronze Age guys I feel did this, they would throw things in there like the pollution angle where it wasn't something that they were trying to, you know, uh, beat you over the head with. You know, sometimes they would, but... uh, more often than not, they would throw things like that in there just to kind of get you to think about it for a minute, you know? And I do, that is something, one of the reasons I really love Bronze Age comics. So, you know, see how some of the stuff is tropey and goofy and a lot of purple prose and stuff like that. I I can't argue against that. There's, I love that stuff anyway, but I understand when people say that's why I don't like Bronze Age stuff. But to me, that, that, that stuff, and then, like I said, them throwing these things in here are one of the reasons I really love Bronze Age comics. Yeah, uh, and, and it's fun. I, I really think it's fun. But, I mean, yeah. this would have been around, around the same time that uh, Denny O'Neill was, and it was doing Ra's al Ghul's debut, I imagine. That would be pretty similar time frame. 
Yeah, definitely it was early 70s. Yeah, for sure, right? I think so. Yeah, so um, it was on people's minds. Mm -hmm. So they were sitting around smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, like we said, those worms, it's like, what in the world was he? I'd love to know where his inspiration was if it wasn't, you know, LSD. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so overall, good issue. Two thumbs up. That's It's a fun one. So, uh, all right, why don't we move on to Swamp Thing number 12. And uh, this one was a September-October cover date, 1974. This one does have a Nestor Redondo cover. And then, uh, again, the same uh, story on the inside. Len Wein, uh, script, Nestor Redondo, pencils and inks, Tatiana Wood colors, and Marcus Palejo is uh, the letterer. So what about this cover? So this one is, you know, 100% uh, Nestor Redondo. And this one, wow, that's all I can say. Yeah, I would have bought this as a child if I'd been allowed to. I would have gone, yep, yep, sold. Um, it's yeah, a giant dinosaur trying to uh, eat something, and he's shoving a branch in its mouth to prop its mouth open, um, and holding its lower jaw down with his foot. It's very you know, and very uh, active, and you know, and there's a real you know reddish orange background, and uh, sort of the palm trees and things, and yeah, it's uh, non-stop action, a little bit of swamp thing, but. Yeah, like almost trying to do a, a crisis vibe in the background here. Maybe this was some foreshadowing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think uh, Swamp Thing's just uh, doing this uh, whole bit with his arm and his foot just so he can show off his uh, rump there. What do you think? His yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his, uh, you know, Swamp Thing got back. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's a little bit of a focus there on his uh, junk in the trunk there. I like it. That Swamp Thing, he's like, yep, I'm not afraid to be naked out here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great stuff. But OK, I will quickly uh, run through a little synopsis here and then we'll uh, get right to it. Um, so this one is, like I said, issue number 12. So, all right, here we go. <clears throat> Clear my throat there. Sorry about that, everybody. All right. So the Swamp Thing finds himself catapulted into various time epochs by a mysterious gem with a seven pointed star and faces danger in each era. And in every epic, he encounters the same man in different incarnations. Okay, so we'll refer to him as the Eternity Man, because that's the name of the story here. So, all right, splash page. Wow. To me, this one's just as good as the previous one. You know, I'm already thinking to myself, wow, okay, Redondo is incredible at all the artwork. But, man, his splash pages are something else. Mm, yeah, Swamp Thing facing down the dinosaur. Though there is a little weird thing happening with one of the dinosaurs' legs. It's uh, looks like it's got a bit ambidextrous, you know, um, double jointed because it looks yeah. like it's like on a hinge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your foot shouldn't be bending that way, really. Yeah, I mean, if I was Redondo, I'd throw the colorist under the bus or something like that. I'd be like, "Oh, they were they colored it wrong or something." <laughs> but yeah, it does look a bit weird. Like it's it's trying to take a step with its right foot. And plant with its left, but like you said, the left leg, it, the, where it should be attached, there's almost like this extra bit of skin or something that's like goes up to like the belly of the, the dinosaur. So that looks kind of funky, but otherwise, no complaints for me. I, it, the dinosaur looks great. Otherwise, mm. very deep, very detailed, and I love the volcanic action in the background too. Yeah, there's a lot of dinosaur drool coming out of the dinosaur mouth. Oh yeah, yeah, it's almost got some salbucema spittle there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the word swamp thing are coming from the uh, volcano um, yeah. fumes. Yeah, that's fantastic. I really, really love that. And then, okay, you know, here we go right away. We were just talking about, you know, smoking and LSD and hallucination. 
perhaps. <laughs> but this hallucination is a hungry one, and it's and dinner seems almost within its reach. <laughs> so I love that. <laughs> mm, yeah. Great stuff. Mm. Yeah. So di- dinosaur fight next, and he, there's the gem in the background as he sees that that it travelled with him back in time. Yeah, I like that panel where he looks over his shoulder and sees it there. I'm just thinking to myself, unless that was making a noise or there was heat coming off it, I could feel or something like that. I don't think if a dinosaur was 15 feet away from me, I'd worry about whatever was going on behind me because the dinosaur in front of you is probably the most imminent danger. Yeah, well, I mean, it's glowing, so maybe it's doing a li- another Star Trek sound. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like when they hit warp speed or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he pulls a giant, like, root out of the ground. And, you know, this is a, a trope that it's, you know, I think they all the way back to 1933 King Kong, where, you know, you get a piece of wood and you shove it in its mouth so it can't clump down on you or chomp you or whatever. But uh, the dinosaur just... Uh, uh, snaps at it like a twig and it's still in its mouth in that bottom panel there where it tail whips swamp thing but it's still in its mouth like it's almost going to uh puke which is pretty cool or maybe it's pierced its uh skin a bit uh, it's, it's hard to tell oh maybe that's supposed to be blood because it's just black but maybe they weren't allowed to use red because in that yeah. next page that top panel you still see it dripping from his mouth again and instead of being white for just spit it's all black now so maybe it did kind yeah. of like yeah Maybe it did get him. Yeah, the pain. Well, he does say the pain driving it mad. So maybe that's what happened when it bit down. It snapped, but also like gouged out part of its, you know, roof of its mouth or something. Yeah. But a tail yeah. whip and it, yeah, knocks Swamp Thing half uh, unconscious here. But lucky for him, uh, a man that shouldn't really exist in this time frame, I don't believe, uh, it comes jumping out of nowhere with. Something I've never seen before. It's a long spear-like weapon with, you know, a spearhead on one end, but it looks like it has a hammer on the other end. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. And he's very lucky that his um, loincloth stays in the right spot as he does this leap. Yeah, which you wouldn't think would happen if he was jumping through the air in that direction, but uh, it's okay by me because this guy looks uh, pretty big and pretty hairy, so that's okay. We're, I'm good with the loincloth. <laughs> I think he's got some <laughs> Velcro under on the underside of that. <laughs> maybe, or maybe just a, a, you know, a, a pin holding it there. <laughs> he was the inventor of the, uh, the pin. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, this guy goes to town with this crazy weapon here and ends up stabbing it and hitting it with the, the hammer end and stabbing it in the throat. And it goes wild, and Swamp Thing then tries to kind of help topple it over by grabbing its one leg, and it does teeter over and falls right on the guy that saved Swamp Thing and kills him. (laughs) Well, not only that, the spear that's in the dinosaur's neck goes through his chest. (laughs) Yeah, what what are the odds? (laughs) Yeah. Mm, Yeah, too Mm. good. So the guy kind of looks at him, and he's got these glowing red eyes, and, you know, he makes mention, like, he's like, and that look, that reflection in his eyes, the image of a seven-pointed star. And you can't really see it in the Omnibus edition. I don't know. You can see no. red, red, and but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he, he appears again, spoilers, and you'll see it better in other scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So as he sees this guy in his death throes here, uh, Swamp Thing says to himself, the gem, somehow it is responsible for this, plunging me through time and perhaps my poor friend as well. And he's like, why, you accursed hell jewel? I must know why. And uh, the jewel kind of starts uh, glowing and going crazy here. But then all of a sudden, our buddy that we thought is dead is up running around holding the jewel. Yeah, and Swamp Thing's gone. 
Ooh. Yeah, he kind of he's he's in the panel before that. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, like half like uh, being transported somewhere else. And we'll see where that is in a second here after we have the first interlude. <laughs> and it's uh, yeah. a funeral service for uh, uh, Bolt's uh, girlfriend, Ruth. And he's so pissed off at Swamp Thing. But they're like, hey, pal, it wasn't Swamp Thing's fault. You know, she's dead and he saved you and all of us like. Why don't you join us in our uh, search for Swamp Thing? And he's like, all right. I'm like, okay, that's how that works. This guy doesn't have a job, doesn't have anybody right. else he's responsible for. He can just be like, yeah, sure, why not? I'll help this government agent who already has a foreign woman with him that probably doesn't even have a green card at this point or citizenship. And this guy's like, yeah, sh- you know, screw it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, pl- I mean, plus what? they've had a funeral for, for Ruth who got shot in an uh, in a underwater base and then expl- the whole base exploded. So there's no body. But, um, you know, they've obviously been able to organize a funeral and there's been no investigation. I mean, maybe Matt Cable has, you know, that sort of power that he can say, oh, yeah, there was a woman called Ruth and now she's dead. Well, you know what? If he's a government agent, he probably can uh, sweep some things under the rug. But uh, we don't we don't need to go down that. We don't need to go down that road. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so I, I love this middle panel on that page, too. It's, you know, Swamp Thing. And he's like, oh, crap, where am I now? Because he realizes that the crazy Jim transported him somewhere else and. He almost appears to be in like a castle of some sort, and there are two caged lions behind him. And uh, as of this recording, I had just recorded uh, within the last couple of days with someone else, and we remarked about uh, how tough it is to draw animals. That is not an easy thing to do, whether it's you know the dinosaur from earlier or yeah. li- lions in this case. That is an incredibly hard thing to do. Not a lot of artists, some high-level artists can't do it very well, and they've tried, and it looks like crap. But this mm. looks really good. These lions look good. Yeah, they do. They they look wild. And I love how this uh, goony uh, guard here with his whip and spear uh, calls Swamp Thing a gorilla. <laughs> well, he, a, he does have sort of, you know, when he's hunched <laughs> over, he's a bit green gorilla. Yeah, the guy, help, quickly, somebody help me. And then uh, here come three uh, gladiators, uh, and then we realize we're in Rome, and Swamp Thing realizes it as well. <laughs> I love how the one guy tries to throw a net over him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. And he gets a trident in the chest. He takes a fair bit of damage, doesn't he? Yeah, he takes a little bit of a, a beating here, but then finally just slaps the people away like, you know, get away from me. And the, the, the guard realizes like, hey, uh, I've got a better idea. Instead of us trying to fight this dude, I'll just open the lion cage and they can <laughs> attack him. And I'm thinking, OK, great idea. But what if the lions turn around and look at you and your buddies and go after you instead, dude? Yeah, no, it's not a well thought out plan. <laughs> no way. So, yeah, they go right. They do, though. They go right at Swamp Thing. And wow, on uh, page seven there, that is a crazy good panel where there's Swamp Thing standing there and two of the lions are on top of them and trying to bite them and scratch them and go crazy. And another one looks like it's getting ready to pounce. Yeah. You know why they're doing that? Because he doesn't have a computer for them to sit on a laptop. That's oh, what, uh, cats <laughs> love to do at my house. Yeah, they love to just, you know, jump on your computer. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, not much has changed in, you know, hundreds of years. That's probably what they were doing back then, cr- creeping around, bothering people. <laughs> but yeah, the, again, the lions look great. They they look like real lions. You know what I mean? They're just, it, it, Redondo did an incredible job. And Swamp Thing's like, you know, I could beat the crap out of these uh, tigers, but Three on one and in close quarters. I think I'm just going to get out of here. So he just jumps out a window and I'm sorry, through like a gate, a wooden gate, and he lands a up. Port, in, it's one of those portcullises, it looks like, you know, one of the ones that drops from the ceiling. But oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
he smashes. He breaks the it. hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> he smashes the crap out of it, and uh, all of a sudden he's uh, in the Coliseum, and there's uh, two warriors fighting each other, um, blindfolded, which I've never heard of that before. That's uh, interesting. But uh, the one guy kind of hears something behind him, and I guess that thing is Swamp Thing. So he turns to look, and the other guy stabs him like right in the chest, and yeah. he falls down, and we see who this guy is. Yeah, it's uh, the man from the uh, dinosaur age. Um, uh-huh. Eternity should just man. Point out, yeah, they should just point out, though, that in the dinosaur age, Swamp Thing did say that there shouldn't be people then because they were separated by millions of years of history. So uh, <laughs> he, knew, he knew that bit of science. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did point that out. So that was at least neat to see that. Um, I love uh, it was a, it's supposed to be Nero up here, I guess, too. He's being fed grapes by some ladies here looking like a huge slob. <laughs> yeah, but the attorney man says, "You, but but how? I disposed of the accursed gem, gave it away, and then he dies, presumably." And then the lions are like, "Hey, the dude broke the door. Let's follow him in there." And it's like, "Oh crap! Here we go again." But uh, Nero has the jewel, and he's like uh, fondling it. Uh, not to sound lewd here, but he's like uh, petting it or something. And all of a sudden, mm. it kind of activates and. You can see the the light coming from uh, up there uh, down below where Swamp Thing's looking at it. Again, here he goes. He's uh, starting to get transported again, and (laughs) that leaves the gladiators to fight the lions. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, but the attorney man is uh, better and up and recovered. And And creeping away, yeah. (laughs) Stumble almost reluctantly off into the shadows. And and we have second interlude, which the interludes are... um, Nothing to really get excited about. It's basically just Matt, Abby, and uh, their new buddy here, uh, Bolt. You know, before it was at the funeral, now they're driving around in the car and help me track down Swamp Thing. Okay. And it's like three panels. <laughs> just thinking, mm, not sure that was necessary. But the car view, I mean, the way the car's drawn and the background don't seem to be in the same alignment. So it almost looks like a, a classic movie rear projection. Of oh, the yeah. road behind. <laughs> it does look a little bizarre. <laughs> and then that's Matt, cool. to me, Matt looks a little off there as well on that panel that's zoomed in on his face. What do you think there? I kind of thought, does that really Matt? Does that really look like him? It looks like Peter Cushing jumped in to play Matt for a minute. Yeah, something. He does look a little off there. I don't know if Redondo just uh, didn't look back at previous issues or, or what happened there, but it does. it did strike me as him looking a little bit different. So... Okay, whatever, not a problem, but maybe just, you know, there's more detail in the face. Mm. Yeah. Okay, and then now Swamp Thing, here we go. Where's he at now? And <laughs> Torch-wielding With... villagers, gotten himmel. <laughs> <laughs> German accents. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and they're drifting in and out of accent, too. <laughs> oh, Switching yeah. <laughs> between English and German quite, uh, quite readily. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, but and, it looks like it, he's in the Black Plague. Yeah, we have a guy uh, spouting some German here with his torch and says, the Black Death, and Swamp Thing thinks to himself, the language, the clothing, and that wagon filled with corpses. I'm in Europe during the mid-14th century, during the time of the Black Death. <laughs> <laughs> and the people get all worked up. They have pickaxes and shovels and torches. Kill it. Slay the hellish thing. And he goes, mm. but Hans, how can death die? So they think he's the Black Death personified. It's like, um, guys, like, come on, man. I know it was a long time ago, but really? Like, what? (laughs) Craziness. Yeah, but he manhandles them and flips the main guy upside down, but doesn't kill him. Um, But, yeah, he 
it's nice that he's not trying to kill everyone he comes across. He's yeah. yeah he's kind of just like slapping them out of his way and just trying to get them away from him uh, without really hurting them too much or killing them. And finally, at like this point, he's just like tired of this crap and he goes <laughs> and beat out these annoying tar flames while I'm at it. But he's like, I'm going to make a strategic re- retreat because they lit him on fire. <laughs> yeah. Mm. He wanders off down the streets and then finds uh, a light in a window. Uh, with the conversation, and it's, he's kind of just barged into a soap opera at this point. Yeah, we look in on these uh, two people here, and uh, the one guy's name is supposedly Milo Mobius, and uh, he's here with a woman, and uh, he's uh, talking uh, not so great here. He's basically saying, you know, he doesn't give a crap about her. It's all about this gem and being immortal. And his eyes go ding. Mm-hmm. And he's got those eyes, those uh, starry eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She says to him, though, uh, uh, you have chosen your path and you will soon regret it. For there will come a day, Milo, when you tire of your eternal life and actively seek to end it. But you will seek only in vain for only the hand of a friend can ever put you to your final rest. And Milo, my love, you have no friends. So she basically says the only way to stop this cycle of him being immortal and jumping around from time to time is for a friend to kill him. And since he has no friends, he's screwed. Maybe that's why he got into gladiator fighting, and that was his uh, one of his friends. <laughs> the dinosaur was one of his friends. I'm taking. <laughs> <laughs> I could see him in another scene feeding it and petting it like it's his buddy. <laughs> oh man! So yeah, so I love how uh, you know uh, Swamp Thing's like creeping, like eavesdropping on all this, like a creeper from the window, and then mm. uh, the girl uh, chucks the uh, stone at him. And you can see Swamp Thing's reflection in it. I love that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I found this all all this exposition very weird, and I don't fully understand it. So, basically, does he want to die, or he doesn't want to die, or he wants to improve his life by jumping ahead in time by coming back? Or I, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at first I thought, okay, he wants this, you know, gem or whatever sphere, so he can live forever. But there are sometimes he's doing things where it, it looks like he's trying to get himself killed. So I'm thinking, does he know he's immortal and he just thinks he's like getting a kick out of it? Like, you know, Bill Murray on Groundhog Day. Like, I think I'll just try, try to kill myself like 50 different ways. <laughs> yeah. And when he dies, he immediately comes back in the same body at the same time. So it's not like he's reborn or, you know, he suddenly gets a reset on the clock. It just looks like he's just up again suddenly. Yeah, and then finally Swamp Thing's uh, heard enough of the soap opera here, and he comes walking in, and he says, I was right, it's him again, the man with the starlit eyes, and for a change, he isn't dying. And before he can even do anything, here come the crazy villagers. They somehow <laughs> found him and came busting in through the door, and I love Swamp Thing's reaction to them. No, not them again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a cartoon-like thought bubble there. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they, yeah, they're swinging the torches and the pickaxes and trying to get them. And of course, you know, there's a lot more of them than there is him. So you're thinking, oh, he might be in a little trouble here. But uh, Grandpa that had the uh, torch, you know, I guess, you know, when uh, Swamp Thing punched him, it, it caught the drapes on fire. So now the whole place is burning down. And <laughs> the uh, Eternity Man says, fools, get out. Do you all want to die? Get out, get out. And Swamp Thing's like, I'm getting out of here. So he grabs the woman, smashes right through a stone wall, which is a pretty, pretty good feat there. 
Yeah, no, if you're a monster or you look like a monster, the, the number one thing you've always got to do is grab the woman in any situation. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And <laughs> she needs to scream. <laughs> yeah, but he gets mm. her out of there as uh, everything starts to crumble. And then the gem lights up again. Mm-hmm. He starts to uh, kind of fade away here. And then we get the third interlude, which is just, again, three more panels of Matt, Abby, and Bolt. And they're just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of scheming a little bit. And they do mention, you know, the this underground city blowing up. And, you know, uh, Bolt's like, well, Nail is dead. And I've got to take my mat out on somebody. <laughs> it's like, OK, all right. Uh, yeah. Interesting that uh, Matt tries to accuse Bolt of being a bigot because he wants to uh, take his uh, mat on out on Swamp Thing. I found that a little interesting. I'm like, well, he just pissed at him because he was kind of involved in the, the woman's death. Yeah. Not that he directly did anything, but Matt really goes at him. Yeah, no, it's probably not the right time to raise race issues. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, but, it's very uh, interesting. Yeah. I thought, wonder why Len tried to go down that road there. It was, I mean, I, I get it on, in one hand, I get it. And on the other hand, I don't. I think uh, if you were going to go down that road, I don't know that the, a black character, the only one in the whole book, would be the way to go about that. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, he's trying to point out that um, people of all races and the creeds can be uh, racist, but... Uh, yeah, it's a weird thing to squeeze into the comic. And also, as this is the third interlude, I expected it to be the last one, you know, the sort of the rule of three. Uh-huh. But uh, no, there's another one coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so finally we get, again, I shouldn't say finally, we get Swamp Thing again. He's like, wait a minute, I'm home at last. I'm in the swamp. And he's looking around, and all of a sudden, this crazy Civil War soldier comes riding up to him. And I'm thinking, what in a swamp? But uh, it's our buddy, the Eternity Man, again, and he falls off the horse because it goes ape. I guess Swamp Thing scares it, and the, the crazy uh, gem, or whatever you want to call it, falls out of his little knapsack there, and uh, he does uh, kind of ha- have a little bit of a conversation here kind of with Swamp Thing. Well, I guess more of a one-sided one. <laughs> yeah, but he's fleeing from the the rebels or the, Confederates. the southerners. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like how Swamp Thing grabs him, one guy and starts choking him. <laughs> That's yeah, great. But, and it uh, shoots every home. time you see Swamp Thing, you'd go, I'm about to die, wouldn't you? Yeah. And then it's funny, too. The guy tries to shoot Swamp Thing, and the bullet goes through him and then hits the Eternity Man, and he's down for the count. Hmm. We will meet again somewhere in time. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And he goes, I love Swamp Thing. Again, the dialogue. Oh, no. Here I go again. <laughs> Sounds like, a, you know, like a, a Benny Hill episode. Here we go again. And you can hear the music. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> I think we might have been having a little fun with this. Mm, yeah, interlude, interlude four. And it's, you know, more of the Matt calling uh, Bolt a bigot. And he's like, it's true. Bolt, admit it. And he's like, that's why you don't like Swamp Thing. Because he's not like you. And Bolt's just like, listen, pal. Like, let's go hunt him down. Enough of the crap here. <laughs> He's not having it. Yeah, Abby's like, stop it, you two, stop it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh boy, here we go. Two guys that are getting all worked up. Like, the, the testosterone's flowing a bit too much for her right here, I think. Yeah. Mm, and then Swamp Thing, here we go. He's like, wait a minute, I think I'm back in the swamp. And he sees a, a jet plane going overhead, so he knows it's at least, you know, if not his time, pretty close to it. And uh, uh, here we go. Creeping out of the bushes is the Eternity Man, and he says, Welcome back, my friend. I knew that a cursed gem would draw you here sooner or later. It links us somehow, you know, bonds us together with the shackles of time. And 
he basically says to a Swamp Thing, he like, you know, he wants him to kill him. And Swamp Thing's like, I can't just kill you, dude. It's not how it works. Like, I don't do that. Yeah. Well, is, is this saying, if a friend kills me, I'll never come back? Is this what we were trying to get get at before? Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, how does who's determining who is his friend and who is not? Because at this point, I wouldn't say Swamp Thing is his friend. They've had one conversation for about 30 seconds here. Well, I mean, they've never had a meal together. They've never gone to the movies. They've, you know, haven't done anything. Haven't. <laughs> yeah, nothing. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of weird. I mean, if it, if Swamp Thing had helped him move, that would be the sign of friendship. You know, you oh, know okay. Yeah. Especially if there's that's furniture a, involved. <laughs> yeah, that's a real friend right there. So. Yeah, anybody helps yeah. you move couches or a refrigerator, that's a friend. You know you can count yeah. on that person. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody that doesn't have to do that would do that. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's like I'm not going to kill it. Does he say that out loud? I cannot kill it. Looks like he. Yeah, I think he. Says, yeah, I think he does because you figure all his other like you know monologuing is in these like uh, globular kind of yellow uh, thought bubbles kind of like, and this one is in like a what is like an orange and like a hexagon or something like that. And he says, "I cannot kill." Yeah. So I'm thinking that he actually did speak here. Yeah. And, oh, uh, then he poor. wanders off, but uh, <laughs> immediately the Eternity Man falls into some quicksand. Mm-hmm. This is where it all started. I thought it started in the 80s, but I think it started in the 70s. The, the rumor oh, of quicksand is going to get us off. <laughs> where did it all go? When did the quicksand all vanish? I mean, it yeah, all I don't dried think up sometime in the 90s, maybe. I don't think I've seen any in my life, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure it all just disappeared. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he falls in. And Swamp Thing's like, oh, no, I'm not, I can't let this guy die. Oh, I'll save him. And at first I'm thinking to myself, can't Swamp Thing just dive in there, like, head first and save him? Because I don't, I don't think that would kill him, would it? Even if he got stuck in there? Yeah. No, it's like he's standing on the edge going, oh, no, oh, no I can't reach him. Oh, bye. Yeah, like he has, his, <laughs> he has his arm out like, here, give me your hand. And it looks like he can reach, like, two more feet. Stretch your arm 10 meters. <laughs> But nope, not happening. And uh, our buddy Mobius, the Eternity Man, uh, he croaks. And it's funny because, you know, Swamp Thing does kind of dive in after him because then he says to himself, don't understand it. He couldn't have sunk that deep. And yet there was no traces of him as if he simply disappeared. So mm. I don't know if he just, uh, you know, went to another time. Did the, the crazy gem here just shoot him into another time or something? I don't know. I'm not sure what Len Wein was going for here. What do you think? I, I don't know. Uh, the inter the internal logic of this is very um, dubious. Like, a, you know, a, yeah, I don't know why this all happened. I don't know what the point is. I mean, you'd think he would just keep coming back to life under the quicksand and dying instantly, and that would, you know, be fairly upsetting oh, be for the rest, <laughs> rest of eternity. Oh, um, yeah. And Swamp Thing just buries the jewel in the swamp, and, you know, that's meant to be the end of it all. And it's like... Oh, well, adventure over. We, you know, it's like, well, we had some time adventures and this was why and it was very quick and fast and yeah, weird. Yeah, and, and this is why I was really shocked to find this character and this crazy gem never popped up again because in the very last uh, panel on the very last page there, Swamp Thing says to himself, because I have the unnerving feeling he'll be back someday to pick it up, meaning the, uh, Mobius and pick up that that crazy gem. So I was just like, oh, mm. they, they, you know, Len Wein even left the perfect segue there for somebody to come along and 
<laughs> pick up the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a weird story that Neil Gaiman would look at and go, okay, I could write a story about all the eternal characters of the DC Universe having, you know, a brunch together or something, like we get the Shade and Ra's al Ghul and the Eternity Man and uh, the Immo- Immortal Man and who else is there? Resurrection Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Together. Yeah, what's his name? The, the, the cave, the Immortal Caveman. What's his name? Uh, oh, oh Vandal was. Savage, yeah. Yeah, yeah, get him in there too. <laughs> Yeah, they could all hang out and go, why are we all white guys? And, you know, that's <laughs> they could go to a Yeah, they could go to an all-you-can-eat or something, a buffet. <laughs> yeah. oh, be like man. the Illuminati, except they have no business. Well, the story just centers around them getting, you know, ill from some warm seafood or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty good, man. I don't know. Again, just like issue 11. So there were some things in it that didn't make a whole lot of sense or anything like that, but it was a lot of fun. You know what I mean? And again, Redondo's artwork and a fun story. That's enough to get me to turn the pages and to get another issue. I, I, that's how I feel about both of these. Well, it feels like a TV show now where he has all sorts of adventures um, using, you know, sets from other movies on, on, the, on the lot. <laughs> Almost like uh, the Incredible Hulk TV show or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then at the end he wanders off and, you know, reset for the next adventure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, more to come. I mean, there's a little bit of continuity build-up with um, Cable and Bolt and Abby, Mm -hmm. Team Swamp Thing Hunter, for whatever reason. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's interesting. It seemed as if at some point Matt and Abby were more along the lines of, oh, we realize uh, Swamp Thing's not, uh, you know, an air quotes bad guy, so we just want to kind of pal around with him. But then now it seems like they're back to being like, we're going to hunt him down kind of thing. And you know, he's trying to arrest him or what? I'm thinking, what are you going to do? Put him on trial? Throw him in a jail? Like, what are you going to do? People? <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. I feel like, just leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, step one, hunt Swamp Thing. Step three, riches? <laughs> mm, yeah, it's crazy. It just is, it's kind of wild. Well, you know, and again, I think too, uh, like you said earlier, I think sometimes, you know, trying to come up with all these plots for when you're writing multiple books at the same time, especially, which I'm sure Len Wein was at this time, you know, I guess uh, just doing more than writing a fun story, you know, or what you thought would be a fun story. And you thought, oh, readers will think this is a fun story. Like you said, I, I don't think it, they they were like thinking that far enough ahead with things. Mm, yeah, very weird. Yeah, so, um. Are we going to continue with this run? Are we? Is it you yeah. and I? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, man. We'll, uh, you know, make this a semi-regular type thing here, where you know, you and I'll continue on through here, looking at these uh, uh, Swamp Thing books, and then, hey, you never know. Maybe the, the 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 stars are on our side. Maybe we can get all the way up to uh, Mr. Moore, or maybe we can, you know, jump to Mr. Moore's stuff uh, at some other point, maybe after this run. We'll see. Yeah. Wow. I mean, well, Swamp Thing is the. I, I don't have all the issues of Volume Two, but um, it's the longest run in my comic collection, my Swamp Thing stuff. So, mm. basically, I go from like issue thirty-five of the Alan Moore stuff all the way to the end. <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah, I ended up, I got lucky too. I they made some trades. They're not like full size trades. They're about two thirds, three quarters the size of a regular trade that DC put out at some point, maybe early, mid-2000s or something like that, some uh, paperbacks, and I was able to get them 
I think they were like buy one, get one half off or something like that at a sale one time. So, uh, yeah, I grabbed them. I think there's maybe five volumes or six of them, something like that. But yeah, so it has the complete stuff uh, that Moore did, which is great because I read them right away and just loved them. I was just blown away by what he did with the character. Blown away. Yeah, yeah. Amazing stuff. (sighs) So, yeah, maybe we can uh, hop on that down the road here after this uh, volume or something like that. But yeah, definitely some more Swamp Dig in the future for you and I, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Billy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. And, you know, if anybody's looking for you, uh, waitingfordoom.com is definitely the place to go, right? Yeah, no, that's where we do all our shows. We um, generally focus on the Doom Patrol, but we're kind of in a position where we've done everything to do with the Doom Patrol comic. Um, so we sort of have to wait for Doom, which is hence our name, because the Doom Patrol comic comes and goes, and it has several times in the sort of, you know, <laughs> we've done uh, nearly 150 eps or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I do also do another uh, a few podcasts there, like we've got DC OCD, which is about every single DC event. Uh, starting from 1985 crisis on infinite earths and uh, i have guests on and we discuss it and rank it basically mm-hmm. say so give it a score and put it on a ranking and say this is the best event ever and this is the worst one and this one is just average um <laughs> yeah and a couple of other shows dial dial f for flanger is a chat show where i just find interesting people and talk to them and uh the gary show which is just me and my friend mike just uh, crapping on yeah i mean as of this recording uh your latest waiting for doom was uh a world's finest you talked about an appearance uh, i think batman superman world's finest which is the new mark wade series with dan mora art which is really good yeah and then dc ocd uh doomsday clock was the latest one you guys did as well Uh, i think so yeah i think so yeah and then (laughs) dial f for flanger that's a uh, I listened to that one the other day. That's a good one, too, with uh, Siskoid from Fire and Water about Dial H. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Good, yeah, it's good stuff. So everybody, again, get out there, uh, waitingfordoom.com, and then uh, you can uh, give Paul a follow on Twitter as well. Where are you at on there? I'm reading underscore H-I-X, uh, reading underscore Hicks with an X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, abs- absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, once again, thanks, Paul, for being on. This was a blast, man. So, yeah, definitely uh, keep an ear out for us uh, talking some more Swamp Thing in the future. And uh, who knows what else? Paul's up for everything, usually, as long as it doesn't suck, right? <laughs> yeah, no, don't talk about things that suck. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to try not to. No, that's always a focus for me. I don't uh, – if I read something and I think it's just marginal or not very good, I – will not talk about it because hey you know i don't think it's my job to crap on something i just feel like if i didn't think it was good if somebody asked me hey what'd you think of that i'll be like eh, it was okay and that's yeah. all i'll say about it but you know hey if somebody's trying to make a living writing comics i'm not going to uh you know tell them they suck <laughs> yeah i mean and both you and i do that on twitter where we try not to be negative and we you know yeah. if some if something isn't to our taste we don't dwell on it we move on Yep, because, yeah, because, hey, maybe somebody else, it is for them, and they think it's great, and I don't want them to skip out on something because they heard me say it kind of sucks. You know what I mean? That's that's, that's yeah. for them to decide. Yeah, there's no need to discuss everything in finite detail and try and change people's minds. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely not. None of that happening here. So, all right, well, once again, thanks for being on, Paul. Um, and like I said, look for some more swamping down the road, and I will be back in a second to wrap things up. Carmine Infantino. 
Tony and Joe Orlando all got on a plane and flew to the Philippines and at the Manila National Press Club met with a who's who of contemporary and future to be well-known Filipino artists. A group that included people like Ernie Chan, Alex Nino, and two people I'd like to highlight right now, Alfredo Alcala and Nesta Redondo. Now, Alfredo Alcala is uh, just a legendary, amazing artist back from his work in the Philippines doing things like Voltar. Um, he was also incredibly fast, but let me show you an image first before we talk about his speed. Here he is in House of Mystery. Take a look at the details and the line work on this here. And you say to yourself, well, that must have taken ages. Well, it's the, quite the opposite. Not only could Alfredo draw this well, he could also draw faster than anyone I've heard of, uh, including Jack Kirby. When Carmine saw the art, he said, well, how many pages per week can you draw, expecting a really low number? And he said, 40. He said, whoa, whoa, we're talking about uh, penciling, inking, and lettering the pages. He says, 40. And he says, okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. And he pulls out some samples of current DC artists, some really great ones as well. And he says, oh, like that? 80. Well, in either case, he was able to produce definitely the 40 pages, and there are legendary stories of him doing full full 12 page or nine page stories in just a single day, uh, a legendary artist. Now the other great artist that came uh, at this time who was already famous in the Philippines was Nestor Redondo. I'm going to reach into a house of secrets to give you one of my favorite panels. It's this beautiful blue uh, drowning sequence here. He had the unenviable task of following Bernie Wrightson on Swamp Thing and he more than held his own. And that shows you the level of talent that all of these great Filipino artists had. They inspired comic book readers, and they also inspired future generations of comic book artists, not just in the Philippines, but in the United States, but all around the world. So continue to read the comics you love. Remember DC's incredible legacy of horror titles. And let's just take a moment of pause to recognize all the great Filipino and Filipino-American artists who helped make our horror comic legacy so great. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up this episode of the show. You know, we're creeping up on uh, the Halloween season here, so get ready. I'm going to have a ton of content coming out in Halloween uh, season here, you know, October especially, late September even plenty of uh, horror comics talk and uh, plenty of uh, films to uh, talk about as well you're going to hear a lot of cool stuff so get ready I'm going to try to pump out a ton of really really fun content here so uh, get ready for that and uh, I'll be with you back again in two weeks